Today is January the 28th. Have you ever felt that God is not listening? Let's find out together how Job felt as we read Job 8 to 10. Today, as we read through Job 8 to 10, we see first Bildad's first speech to Job and then Job's response to Bildad in chapters 9 and 10. It's in Job's response that we catch what I believe is the central focus of the book of Job. At the uh, end of chapter 9, verse 32, Job says, God is not a mortal like me, so I can't argue with him. I can't take him to trial. If only there were a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. The mediator could make God stop beating me. I'd no longer live in terror of his punishment. Then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that in my own strength. Job says, you know, when I lost my possessions, I was okay. I could deal with that. When I lost my livestock and my crops, I could deal with the financial downturn. When I lost my children, I was in pain, but I could handle that pain. When my own body uh, acted against me, uh, when I was deathly ill, I could handle that. Even when my wife left me, that was okay. But Job says, but I pray and God no longer speaks. I wish there were a mediator between us. In every single one of Job's replies from this point forward, he asks for God to speak to him. Keep that in mind as you continue reading through the book of Job. You know, C.S. Lewis is an interesting fellow. Um, During his life, he was single his entire life until the very end of his life. He met a woman, uh, a woman named Helen. Uh, She was American, and she was dying of cancer. Dying of cancer, um, he felt compassion for. He wanted to help her. So he married her so she could come and live with him, and he could care for her more efficiently. During that time, about three years that they lived together, Lewis fell in love with her. He loved her deeply. He loved her like he didn't know a person could love. As a result, when she died, he was inconsolable. He went to God to ask why. And listen what he says. When he prayed to God, he found a door slammed in my face. The sound of bolting and double boating on the inside. After that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. He went on in his book to say, there are no lights in the windows of that home. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once. Why is God so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent in time of trouble? Lewis goes on. He reminds himself that Jesus himself felt that on the cross when he cried out to God, My God, my God, 
why have you forsaken me? He reminds himself that Gideon felt that when the angel approached him and said, the Lord is with you. Gideon's response, if the Lord is with us, where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us? But you know, Lewis kept connected to God. He kept going to God. Eventually, he wrote, I've gradually come to feel that the door is no longer shut and bolted. Was it my own frantic need that slammed it in my face? The time when there is nothing at all in your soul except a cry for help may be just the time when God can't give it. You're like the drowning man who can't be helped because he clutches and grabs. Perhaps your own reiterated cries deafen you to the voice that you hope to hear. On the other hand, knock and it shall be opened. But does that knocking mean hammering and kicking the door like a maniac? Then there's also, to him that hath shall be given. After all, you must have a capacity to receive, or even omnipotence can't give. Perhaps your own passion temporarily destroys that capacity. Beautiful words from Lewis. I found it true in my own life. When I feel that God isn't listening, the important thing is that I keep talking. Enjoy the scripture reading today. Job 8-10, through 10, New Living Translation. Job 8. Then Bildad the Shuite replied to Job, How long will you go on like this? You sound like a blustering wind. Does God twist justice? Does the Almighty twist what is right? Your children must have sinned against him, so their punishment was well deserved. But if you pray to God and seek favor of the Almighty, and if you are pure and live with integrity, he will surely rise up and restore your happy home. And though you have started with little, you will end with much. Just ask the previous generation. Pay attention to the experience of our ancestors. For were we born just yesterday and knowing nothing? Our days on earth are as fleeting as a shadow. But those who come before us will teach you. They will teach you the wisdom of old. Can papyrus reed grow tall without a marsh? Can marsh grass flourish without water? While they are still flowering, not ready to be cut, they begin to wither more quickly than grass. The same happens to all who forget God. The hopes of the godless evaporate. Their confidence hangs by a thread. They are leaning on a spider's web. They cling to their home for security, but it won't last. They try to hold it tight, but it will not endure. The godless seem like a lush plant growing in the sunshine. Its branches spread across the garden. Its roots grow down through a pile of stones. It takes hold on a bed of rocks. But when it's uprooted, it's as if it never existed. That's the end of its life and others spring up from the earth to replace it. But look, God will not reject a person of integrity, nor will he lend a hand to the wicked. He will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the home of the wicked will be destroyed. Job 9 Yes, I know all this is true in principle, but how can a person be declared innocent in God's sight? If someone wanted to take God to court, 
would it be possible to answer him even once in a thousand times? For God is so wise and so mighty. Who has ever challenged him successfully? Without warning, he moves the mountains, overturning them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place, and its foundations tremble. If he commands it, the sun wouldn't rise and the stars won't shine. He also spread out the heavens and the marshes on the waves of the sea. He made all the stars, the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the southern sky. He does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. Yet when he comes near, I cannot see him. When he moves by, I do not see him go. If he snatches someone in death, who can stop him? Who dares ask, what are you doing? And God does not restrain his anger. Even the monsters of the sea are crushed beneath his feet. So who am I that I should even try to answer God or even reason with him? Even if I were right, I would have no defense. I could only plead for mercy. And even if I summoned him and he responded, I am not sure he would listen to me. For he attacks me with a storm and repeatedly wounds me without cause. He will not let me catch my breath, but fills me instead with bitter sorrows. If it's a question of strength, he's the strong one. If it's a matter of justice, who dares to summon him to court? Though I am innocent, my own mouth would pronounce me guilty. Though I am blameless, it would prove me wicked. I am innocent, but it makes no difference to me. I despise my life. Innocent or wicked, it is all the same to God. That is why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a plague sweeps through, he laughs at the death of the innocent. The whole earth is in the hands of the wicked, and God blinds the eyes of the judges. If he is not the one who does it, who is? My life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness. It disperses like a swift papyrus boat, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. If I decide to forget my complaints, to put away my sad face, and be cheerful, I would still dread all the pain, for I know you will not find me innocent, O God. Whatever happens, I will be found guilty. So what's the use of trying? Even if I were to wash myself with soap and clean my hands with lye, you would plunge me into a muddy ditch. My own filthy clothing would hate me. God is not mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. If only there were a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. The mediator could make God stop beating me, and I would no longer live in terror of his punishment. Then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that in my own strength. Job 10 I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charge you are bringing against me. What do you gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me, the works of your own hands, while smiling on the schemes of the wicked? Are your eyes like those of a human? Do you see things only as people see them? Is your lifetime only as long as ours? Is your life so short that you must quickly probe for my guilt and search for my sin? Although you know I am not guilty, no one can rescue me from your hands. You formed me with your hands, you made me, yet you completely destroy me. Remember that you made me from dust, 
Will you turn me back to dust soon? You guided my conception and formed me in the wound. You clothed me with skin and flesh, and you knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. Yet your real motive, your true intent, was to watch me. And if I sinned, you would not forgive my guilt. If I am guilty, too bad for me. And even if I'm innocent, I can't hold my head high, because I am filled with shame and misery. And if I hold my head high, you hunt me like a lion and display your awesome power against me. Again and again, you witness against me. You pour out your growing anger on me and bring fresh armies against me. Why, then, did you deliver me from my mother's womb? Why didn't you let me die at birth? It would have been as though I had never existed, going directly from the womb to the grave. I have only a few days left, so leave me alone, that I may have a moment of comfort before I leave, never to return, from the land of darkness and utter gloom. It is a land as dark as midnight, a land of gloom and confusion, where even the light is dark as midnight. Scripture reading by Emily Herrera. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll return to the book of Psalms. Enjoy tomorrow in the church of your choice.